What's up, NBA fans? We are about 30 or so days away from the start of the NBA season, just a few weeks from the start of preseason for some teams. And uh, we're excited. Continuing our division previews this episode, we're going to the Southwest. We got the Spurs, the Rockets, Dallas, Pelicans, all these teams. Uh, This is usually a pretty mighty division. And uh, last year, I think really the only one that stood out was the Grizzlies and then the Mavs, Pelicans, and a huge gap there, gap between those three and the Spurs and the Rockets. But I think the glory days of the Southwest Division may not happen this year, but I think it's it's on the right track when we were doing these division previews, I was noticing. Um, but yeah, Sean, you have any memories of the Southwest Division? I, I can tell you <laughs> this is division is the home to the franchise that I hate the most. San Antonio Spurs, <laughs> although I might soften up on them a little bit because I like this Wemby kid that they just got. Yeah, it's a, it's a new era for the Spurs, so maybe, maybe you'll turn over a new leaf for them. But yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting division, maybe for some good reasons, maybe for some bad reasons. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a few stories in here that, you know, we're, we're excited to talk about from the NBA perspective and then obviously some about the Grizzlies and the Rockets that we are not so excited to talk about, but we'll, we'll dive into all that, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. There's going to be some good NBA stories coming out of this division for sure. Yep. And before jumping into those, let's just talk about team USA real quick. Team USA loses out on a medal (laughs) at the FIBA world cup. Not only do they lose that close game to Germany, but then they go back and just Canada just shows them up. I don't want to say destroyed because the score wasn't that big, but just the way this Canada team played, they just true team basketball, the U.S. going constantly one on one. But Canada just was, I think, clearly the better team that day and walking away with the W to get that bronze medal, which I'm sure to them feels like so much more than just that. Fourth place mm-hmm. isn't so bad, but it really, I think, is it's not a surprise, but it is a dagger to think that the U.S. really lost out on a medal. Gone are the days where uh, <laughs> a C a C plus performance performance from this team still got them bronze. I think those days are now gone. It seems. Yeah, which I'm thankful for. Honestly, like this this shows you can't just show up with any number of random NBA players and expect to come out with a victory. It's like sure, like a lot of these players are good players but they just don't have any synergy together. They don't have that, you know, star power that can just carry you through the entire mm-hmm. tournament. And you're talking about Anthony Edwards was the guy taking over and he's yeah. good and all, but he had no experience on the global level. And it really showed, especially when it came down into that actual bracket tournament style after they got through the pool play where you're like, man, this team looks pretty vulnerable. And, and sure enough, I mean, you could tell the size was just a huge issue yeah. for them the entire time. It seems like Steve Kerr just refuses to go to anything that might possibly <laughs> resemble size. I mean, I don't, I don't think Walker Kessler got a single minute. Yeah. And he's just waiting there on the bench. He, he probably would have been best suited to help this team out. And yeah, it's just, it's just not his style. And they just had no adjustments. They had no flow, like you said. And I, I think this, this is a great wake-up call. Like, because now we get LeBron coming out for 2024 mm-hmm. Olympics being like, let's assemble the dream team again, boys. Let's do one last ride for my last season. And it, yeah, it's going to be real fun next year. But yeah, it took this wake up call to for that to actually happen. 
Yeah, the size thing just seems like such a particular point because it just seems like Team USA had, for whatever reason, just hasn't had a decent big man since Dwight Howard and the 2008 team <laughs> at Beijing. I mean, yeah. no disrespect to Walker Walker Kessler, but yeah, why can't we get our best big men to play? Like, where's Anthony Davis? Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think who who would be. You think, another... you think LeBron could get Anthony Davis for the Olympics? I, I think so. I think he's going to try to convince him. But here's the next question, though. Next year would be the the opportunity for this Avengers team to come together, Team <laughs> USA Avengers. But um, do we do we want these old guys representing Team USA? LeBron, KD, Steph Curry. Oh yeah. Why wouldn't we? They're still the best players in the I, league. Are these still? Yeah. Are these still the best guys? As far as Americans go, uh, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, I think are still top ten players in the league. Yeah. LeBron, when he's healthy, definitely. Uh, he yeah. showed it. He's still got it. And so, yeah, I, I mean, you, you put them in there. I know Devin Booker mentioned Booker. that he he wants in. So, I mean, that's already four. If you can convince Tatum. Anthony Davis, yeah, Jason Tatum, like Bam Adebayo, if you can get all these guys, then, yeah, like this is who we want. We want the old guard. We want these veterans that have been there, that have done it, and they know how to play on the world level, and we'll just go up, go and clean house. Yeah. I think those are the names that I kind of I really want to see more than those three names is the Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Darren Fox, (laughs) like some of these guys that are still they're still in their prime. But, you know, I'll take I'll take I'll take the old guys, too. We'll see. We'll see what it's like once they're out there. But yeah, it it needs to be a mix because like you got to have the leaders, right? Because like clearly we did not have a good enough leadership on this team USA. We -hmm. need LeBron, KD and Steph to be like, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, one thing, one point though on Canada when I was watching this game, there is actually decent amount of NBA players on that on that roster. Oh yeah, Dallin mm-hmm. Brooks, Shea? Shea is Shea. huge. Daniel Tice. Um, who else? Maximo Kleber, I think, was on that. On oh, that Canada. Well, no, team. wasn't that like no, not for Canada, for Germany. Oh, but for Germany. There was that whole drama with uh, him and Dennis Schroeder. And Schroeder, yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what he said. He said something about how like Kleber doesn't really he's just like an average player. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they have some beef, but I, I guess they proved that they don't need him. But yeah, Canada, they got Dylan Brooks. They got Shea. Um, they didn't have Andrew Wiggins, Mm-mm. which I think he, he and Jamal Murray. He didn't play either because of the long run the Nuggets had in the playoffs, obviously. But I bet they'll all be there next year. So it still won't be easy for Team USA. They're going to have to actually yeah. play. But, yeah, I, it, it's going to make for actually a very entertaining Olympics. Yeah, and that everything, all those names is to say that this Canada team, this is not, like, a lucky thing for them to no. beat. No, like, this is a good team, and they're adding, they could potentially add really good pieces next year uh, with Murray and Wiggins. And Jamal Murray's only getting better. I bet he's... Yeah. Have an, I think he's going to have an incredible regular season this year and that, yeah. that could potentially ride into the summer uh mm-hmm. next year. So, I'm excited for this for this <laughs> for the for the the next step forward the world is taking here. It's just it's just so fitting that Dylan Brooks of all people would have been the guy that has a huge game to beat Team USA. Mm-hmm. It's just it just fits so well cuz now he gets to go into this season like for sure being the villain. Like everyone's going to be rooting against him and that's how it should be. Yeah. So same thing we did with Summer League where, you know, certain guys' stocks changed. 
does it does anybody's stock change on this FIBA World Cup performance? Like for Laurie Markinen last year, you know, mm. had a hell of a showing in the Euro Cup, and he rode that into the regular season. Is there a guy here? Is Dylan Brooks one of those guys who's gonna ride this success into the regular uh, season? He's not. He's not fooling me. I, I still have the same feelings about Dylan Brooks as I did at the end of the NBA season. I think that Shay has kind of ch- given himself a good a good case to be the best player on a championship team. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, he he just has so much poise for a young guy he's shown that he can be the guy and so i i think he does move the needle for me now where i'm like man this okc team could actually be something it's not just they're up and coming like they they can really do something with shea as their best player they don't need another superstar to like come in and, and take a huge role he, he can do that i i think that for me was was very apparent yeah i i would i would agree with that one i think that's the name that stood out to me is sga poised controlled i mean he was not intimidated by the team by team usa I mean, he no. plays those guys throughout the season but not quite as a collective unit like that if you want to call him a collective unit based off their style of play but still he wasn't intimidated and he made he made guys better on this team canada i mean mm-hmm. he made dylan Bro- he helped dylan brooks have a huge <laughs> game and other pieces he did what he could with what he had and i think it's a heck of a showing honorable mention you know, it's I'm biased here, but I got to call him out. Austin Reeves. I, I knew like, you were going to say I that. See, I keep liking what I'm seeing. I keep liking what I'm seeing. Uh, for relative this stock to like, could not be higher, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there's all the memes. There's the jokes. But in basketball, basketball sense, the guy just keeps taking steps forward. And I like what I'm seeing. And I think he's going to come out of this this summer with huge confidence uh, with a little fire under his belt too, and I think he's gonna ride that into a good a good regular season this year for the Lakers. You know who moved the needle in the wrong way for me, Jaron mm-hmm. Jackson Jr. Yeah, yeah. Jaron Jackson had an awful showing this entire <laughs> tournament, except for maybe like a few games against like the really weak teams. But man, when it came time to play, he disappeared. He mm-hmm. was really just completely outmatched by anyone bigger than him. He got out rebounded. He was just a non-factor out there. And it just, yeah, I don't know if he just didn't care about this tournament specifically. He didn't care about the World Cup versus an NBA season. Uh, maybe his heart just wasn't in it, but he did not look like the same player that we have seen have such success to be a defensive player of the year candidate in the NBA yeah uh, yeah so i don't know if it was just motivation or, or if he really isn't as tough as we think he is but yeah he his stock dropped for me yeah i mean i was gonna say this in the season previews because i think there is something to be said about jaron jackson's either mm. you can call it toughness or maybe defensive iq because that's part of the reason they lost to the lakers lebron and anthony yeah. davis bullied him and <laughs> he couldn't get lebron out of the paint and uh, you know he was Guys like Hachimura like exposed yeah. a weakness in that Grizzlies defense that was second in the second in the league last year. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's something to figure out uh in uh Jaron Jackson Jr. Um moving in terms of moving the needle down off the tournament, I gotta say I'm a bit disappointed with that all despite the roster not being maybe the best that the US could have offered. They had a hell of a coaching staff there. Steve Kerr, <laughs> Eric Spolstra. Just to name yeah. the two leading the charge. 
bit disappointed yeah. in that coaching staff and their <laughs> their inability to respond or just some of their their presser answers to the media yeah were a little weak in my in my book i was a bit surprised that they weren't able to just cook something up considering that they may be the best two coaches in the nba mm-hmm. right now yeah maybe their styles just don't work well together two two completely different head coaches maybe you put them together it doesn't equal you know two twice as good maybe maybe there's there's just like certain strategies or just certain philosophies that they just butted heads on. It's hard to know what happened behind the scenes, but you'd think they'd be able to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, figure out what you can do with those chess pieces. Maybe they did just like not enough time, but anyways, Maybe. moving on from team USA, congrats to them. Fourth place. Uh, Kevin- <laughs> congrats. <laughs> Let's go. Kevin Porter jr. Arrested for uh... physically assaulting his girlfriend, accused of felony assault and strangulation. He's arrested by NYCPD. Uh, wow, fractured neck vertebrae cut under her right eye. Uh, poor Kevin Porter Jr. getting threats from uh, this woman's brother on Instagram. I saw that earlier today. Wow, Rockets instantly putting him on the trade block, willing to offer multiple picks as compensation to any team willing to take him away. I mean, wow. Oh, boy, this is yikes. Big this yikes is... for Porter Jr. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is Miles Bridges' level of yikes because... Yeah. I mean, honestly, any anyone else, anyone else that's not a professional athlete would probably be in jail right now for what he did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- there's already you know the privilege there, but this is I don't I just can't imagine anyone wanting to take this guy on their team right now. I don't care how many draft picks you're giving me, mm-hmm. like what like what do you possibly gain from getting Kevin Porter Jr. on your team right now? I understand the Rockets coming out and saying this because. You know, obviously they don't want him to be associated with their organization at all. Unfortunately for them, they locked him into that long-term contract. I think he's on like a four-year, seventy or eighty million dollar deal right now that they just started with him, and so that yeah. that probably just screws them over. And so yeah, they just they probably just can't get out of it right now. They probably guaranteed him some money. But man, this is just worst case scenario for for a guy that you know everyone thought was turning it around. I and mean, this is a guy that the Cavs gave away for nothing, and yeah. you know you're, you're seeing why now. I mean, he he did give you some production last year, the last two years, but it, it comes with quite a price. Yeah, the Cavs totally dodged a bullet here, and they got rid of a ticking time bomb. And I'm just not really sure how the Rockets didn't see. Not not this case particular, but just mm-hmm. like the headache that this guy kind of seemed like he could have been. Um, yeah, well, so you think you can Kev- fix it, right? Like you think, yeah. oh, it's just like he's be- he's over it. He's older now. He's not that much older. So, yeah, yeah. it was just bad bad judgment. Yeah, and it sort of sucks because I do feel like maybe there were there was a piece of the Rockets that was sort of celebrating in a bit that not this case. I'm saying like before this whole thing happened when they because yeah. he was he took a. He took a pretty what looks like a pretty value contract, fifteen point eight million from twenty from from this coming year all the way into twenty twenty six. But now, regardless of the contract amount, it just looks bad to have a guy like this locked in for this many years. But before this case, it probably would have seemed like a decent bargain for a guy at twenty two years old who gave you nineteen points a game last year. Like it seemed like he was rough around the edges in terms of offensively, but it looked like it was fix- fixable and you had enough time to do it. 
Uh, and now obviously that ship is potentially sell, especially when you have a guy like Amon Thompson on your team and, and yeah. I mean, you signed Fred Van Fleet, I guess that's a plus two. So, um, yeah, just an unfortunate situation for, for, for the NBA here, but I guess to make the Rockets feel a little bit better in terms of, from a basketball perspective, Kevin Porter Jr. Three turnovers a game that was within the bottom 12 <laughs> in the league. So you are getting rid of a guy who quote unquote, wasn't the most offensively efficient guy. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah. I, I think this question doesn't need to be answered, but do you think this guy plays in the NBA ever again? Ooh, I am They're reluctant Miles to bridges play this yes. year. So that's, that's the only reason I asked the question. Yep. I think I've seen, uh, I can't think of any other names other than Miles Bridges. I mean, there's always been things like like another name that comes to mind is Latrell Sprewell basically assaulting his coach at practice. And, <laughs> and, and that guy found his way back into the NBA. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like guys like this shouldn't. But at some point, I feel like they do. Teams get desperate enough and they feel like there's an opportunity to improve. Uh, oh, there's an opportunity where they can improve. Um, so I think we do see him in the NBA in a few, but I definitely don't think we see him this year in the NBA. No, definitely not this year. And honestly, it would probably be best if he just stepped away from the game. Like mm -hmm. he's, he's clearly got some issues he needs to work out. And yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, this is just awful story. Yeah. Uh, yeah just, uh, Yep, we'll we'll see how that unravels, but definitely I don't think he's gonna be in the NBA this year, and I don't know if any team actually trades. I I, I feel like those chance the odds of that are pretty close to zero. Oh no, I, no way in hell would I trade for this guy. Are you kidding me? Mm. <laughs> That's just complete. I don't. Yeah, like I, said, I, I, you can give me, you can give me first round draft picks till twenty thirty. I'm not taking him. Yeah. Uh, pivoting from that, the NBA Board of Directors approves a new rule resting two star players in the against resting two star <laughs> players in the same game. A star, by the NBA's definition here, is a player who has been an All Star or an All M or has made an All NBA team in any of the previous three seasons. Teams are also prohibited from shutting a star down for the season for reasons that could that would affect the integ quote unquote the integrity of the game. So this being uh, you know, for an example of that is Damian Leonard being shut down for the last 10 games of the year <laughs> in order to improve their draft position. This, this, this is a, this is a game changer, maybe not a game changer for the game of basketball, but in terms of like load management and what we're going to see play out is, uh, interesting here because are we essentially going to see players just play? go out there, play five minutes, and then they just sit down the rest of the game in order to curtail this rule. How often are we going to see that happen? Like this, this, this is a, this is a bold move from the NBA here. Yeah. They might as well name this the Kawhi rule Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just the Clippers rule because mm -hmm. we are definitely the most egregious offenders of this new rule now that it's in place. And I think it was put in place for, the Clippers specifically. I mean, obviously it's a problem around the league, but the Clippers are the most. It's funny. I think I saw uh, Bleacher Report's Instagram post just had a picture of Paul George and Kawhi to represent <laughs> this news, which is just, that was just perfect. So yeah. fitting. That's funny I like because the rule. I saw an, art the, I, an, an article on The Ringer that was talking about this also had 
Paul, George, and Kawhi as like their thumbnail yep. image for the story. It's not, it's not anything hidden, but I like the rule. I think any anything you can do to make players play that are not injured for at all, they're just resting, you make them play because it, it, it just helps. I mean, you hear stories all the time about, you know, like these guys from australia like love the nba they came for one game to see lebron and lebron's not playing mm-hmm. and it's like anthony davis isn't playing it's like okay cool like these diehard fans that just wasted you know ten thousand dollars to fly across the country get tickets to a laker game all the all all this and that you know they get screwed yeah and so yeah it's like they do it's for the fans for the players it's for the championship and it's for the money, but for the NBA as a whole, it's it's supposed to be for the fans. That that is what drives that's what drives the market, is what drives the business. You you gotta put your product out there. Yeah. Also the other side of it is you know, you get your network partners who who want the big games and mm-hmm. then the big game comes and you know <laughs> you got Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy or you got, you know, TNT talking about third string guys because the team's resting dudes like one of the games that comes to mind was basically the big showdown between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic I think in like April the 76ers and the Nuggets were supposed to play and Joel Embiid ends up resting and a bunch of 76ers end up resting that game it just ends up being this very anticlimactic game after having a ton of hype leading up to that game for like two weeks because Jokic and Joel Embiid only play each other two times a year. And that was the last matchup right towards the end of the season, right in the middle of the MVP discussion. We don't even, and we don't even get to see these guys play against each other. And they obviously, uh, the 76ers didn't make the finals. So the, so we didn't see them there. Um, so yeah, I mean, once a matchup like that, like you want to see fans want to see that obviously network partners want to broadcast that. So and all that revenue ends up going back to the players. So mm-hmm. this this is saving this is also saving the ecosystem in a way where it's like, why would broadcast partners pay all this money to the NBA for the rights to certain games when it's it could potentially be a gamble on whether that will even be a good game? And that's also not yeah. to mention the more the gambling partners that are starting to to oh, emerge yeah. for the NBA. Like <laughs> Who who wants to gamble on the NBA if you have to take into account injuries and as well as like this very mm-hmm. unknown variable of like who's going to rest and which games are they going to rest? Right. It affects the spreads like significantly. Exactly. And who's going to want to partner with the NBA and, and, you know, gamble on these games like the NBA is also looking out for itself. And I think the players should also take it that way, because, again, at the end of the day, all that revenue is shared with everybody. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to be very interested to see what the Clippers do this upcoming season. Maybe they're able to just like milk injuries for longer. Yeah. And claim that they're actually injured, but they're lying about it. See if they can get away with it. That I, I feel like that's that's really going to be what happens. I, yeah, I don't know if they have any checks or balances to like prove that someone's injured or not. Yeah. Or if they just have to take the team's word for it. So I'm I'm hoping that it does help, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting rule. I'm impressed that they're able to actually get it through. Yeah, and how they enforce this is going to be interesting. But it, what we do know is the fines are pretty hefty. 100k fine for the first offense. That's that's pennies. 
250 for the second, but then it's 1.25 million for the third and an additional million more than the previous fine amount for every violation thereafter. So the ringer did the math on the article I was reading and <laughs> with Damian Leonard basically resting those 10 or so games, yeah. the, the Blazers would have looked at a fine close to $30 million uh, based off all those things, all, all those games Dang. that they rested Damian Leonard. So it it could amount to to a, to a pretty pretty large amount if if they're if teams are willing to commit to to resting their players. Yeah, the fact that the fine is that much is yeah after the third offense is pretty crazy. Like that will actually, you know, these teams are gonna have to think about what they want to do because you can have two offenses. So maybe they'll just have to figure out where they want to have their two offenses. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think is gonna end up happening. But it also creates these it, these awkward dynamics. The Damian going back to Damian Leonard, like this guy's gonna actually have to play now. James Harden is gonna actually yeah. have to play, so mm-hmm. can't pull off a, a Ben Simmons unless this is right. These fines are coming straight out of their pockets, but it's gonna the math is gonna add up real quick. Yeah, which is great. It's great for the fans. We get to actually watch all these good players play. We don't have to watch, you know, second string guys and G Leaguers. Like we actually get to watch, you know, the products night in night out, which you know. The obvious downside to that is, well, if you're making, if you're forcing all these guys to play when they would have rested, how many of them will make it healthy to the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Because we're still talking about an 82 game season. It's long, arduous, high intensity, takes a lot of effort to get through it. A lot of guys don't make it there. Is this going to affect how the playoffs go? Like, are, are guys going to get injured more often? That's going to be interesting, too. Yeah, and I wonder if that's going to be how we see this conversation evolve because I think there's always been that pushback against the 82 games. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, okay, the NBA puts this rule in effect. Does that mean the players' union can effectively say, we'll follow this, but you know, you got to give us less than 82 games because you keep pushing. Yeah. You, you guys keep pushing this. The game has evolved. It's faster. Guys are more athletic. Uh it's you know it's putting more strain on on people's bodies therefore you know 80 playing 82 games back in the 60s and the 80s isn't quite the same as it is in today's game so yeah and i mean that's just me speaking i don't know if there is any i'm sure that's arguable and debatable but i think the point has always stood that the players don't want to play 82 games and they've been doing no. things to avoid <laughs> doing that and the nba has sort of made chess moves to try to get them to play those 82 games. So I wonder if the conversation will continue to evolve. And at some point we'll get to the point where the players union and the NBA finally agrees to reduce uh, scheduling. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a tough one, man, because that's the NBA sees that as how much revenue are you asking me to to give up? Yeah. If you, if you want to go down to 70 games, that's like 15% of the season. You know, that's 15% less revenue. I don't, I don't know. I don't see how that's a, how you can convince them. Otherwise you have to figure out how they don't lose money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see how that evolves, but let's yeah. just jump into the Southwest division previews here. Cause I'm excited to talk about some of these teams. Let's uh, do it. First team we're jumping into the San Antonio Spurs. We always start with a team that we think is going to do the best in this division and end with the team we think might be the worst, but The Grizzlies are kind of up in the air. They may not be the best team in this division, but I think for the sake of this conversation, they're definitely the most exciting. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Spurs, 
when breaking down what they were last year, I it's I was pretty blown away by this. They were first in pace, 29th in <laughs> offensive rating, dead last in defensive rating. And also like offensively, Oof. that's 29th is second to last. So it just goes <laughs> to show you, it don't matter how fast you play the game of basketball, that does not equate to being an actual decent team. Uh, you can run, basically the Spurs spend most of their games running around doing nothing. <laughs> They're just getting some good cardio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hell of a track team they had here. Uh, their additions is Reggie Bullock, Kim Birch, uh, City Osman, uh, and of course, drafting Wimby here. Uh, departures is Keita Bates, Diop, Romeo Langford, and Gorgie Dang, uh, re-signing Julian Champagne and Trey Trey Jones. Projected starting lineup is Trey Jones, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sochan, Wemby, and Zach Collins. Um, in terms of X Factor here, Sean, I put whoever can stick around and actually be a good fit for Wemby. <laughs> the Spurs are an interesting team because they were not good at all. But they do have young pieces who seem like they could be really good players, role players, or maybe not really get any better. It's hard to really say. Uh, all the players who played more than over 25 minutes last season and is returning um, and is under 23 years old, Trey Jones, Devin Vassil, Keldon Johnson, and Sochan, uh, all these guys kind of showed flashes of being good, but none of them really showed flashes of being great. And I think it's also like hard to really tell if they're going to be good fits around Wemby. But the good news for the Spurs is that they are they do seem very movable. I could see any team wanting these guys. So I think that's really the X factors who who these guys become or who they can be swapped for uh, during the season. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult to, to know which guy is going to pan out because, like you said, I mean they they have a really good solid core of just a lot of good young players. Trey Jones has proven that he can be a great assist guy, playmaker. Vassell, Malachi Branham have shown flashes at times. And, and those are two guys who kind of play the same role too. So it's going to mm -hmm. be interesting to see who actually like emerges as that sixth man for this team. And how the starting lineup kind of shakes up during the season. Because I don't think that this, I think that this projected starting lineup I think it makes sense for the start of the season because you cannot throw Wemby in at five mm -hmm. with his current stature. You have to let him guard the four on the team. And Zach Collins can be kind of your big boy center and take that, that load off of Wemby. Uh, Kelton Johnson was really like the most reliable guy for them last year. And yeah. so you saw what he can do as kind of like the number one option. And it really wasn't that impressive. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't really see him being that X factor uh, for me. I, I feel like the guy that has the best chance and I'm not even that convinced of how good of a chance it is, is Jeremy Sochan. Yeah, he was to his credit. He was the guy at the draft that did greet Wemby as the Spurs representative. So mm -hmm. they're already kind of built a little bit of camaraderie there. You know, you, you'll, you'll build a lot of good, just you know chemistry with the guy you know this is the first guy that's represented the spurs for me so that that there could also be a good relationship there too um i i like the swagger about him i i think he is kind of just learning figuring things out in the nba his first season so i i think that he could definitely end up being a decent player i mean just 
yeah the, the upside for all these guys just seems very low right now mm-hmm. so the, they probably will have to trade some of these pieces away i mean uh they already had that guy josh primo that they let go of last year for other reasons but yeah yeah i don't i don't see this young core sticking around for a long time i think they're gonna have to start building around Wemby, moving pieces that don't work in the process yeah interesting the name Keldon johnson i think last year he was one of the names that came up quite often as a potential breakout candidate because it just looked like the c was opening for him to be the number one option for the spurs <laughs> and he was and he had a few good games but yeah, he 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 did struggle for most of the season. 22 points, but 45% shooting, 32% from three, uh, two over two turnovers per game. Only ended up lock, lock, locking in 63 games. So it was like an okay season. Didn't really quite show, I think, the upside that the Spurs were hoping uh, to get from him. So Chan, yeah, I mean, six at 6'9", he seems like a guy who could grow into playing alongside... Uh, Wemby, especially given his ball handling ability, and he showed flashes of being able to distribute the ball well last last year. But yeah, it just feels like none of these guys though feel like a sure a sure bet though. Yeah, and I'm I'm very disappointed with their free agency season. Yeah, they got nobody worth anything. <laughs> like Reggie Bullock is your best guy you got, and you had they had a lot of cap space too. Yep, like we were talking about like. Will they try to call the Lakers bluff and get Austin Reeves for like a four year, 80 million, God forbid, a hundred million dollar deal? Yeah. And they they didn't even they didn't even try. And so they missed out on Austin Reeves. You know, they missed out on like Fred Van Fleet and and some of these other big name free agents that they had the cap space to get. I mean, uh, Bruce Brown, even yeah. you know, a guy like Bruce Brown was available they didn't get anybody mm-hmm. and it's just like what what do you want Wemby to do you know there's not really like a lot on this team for him to work with you know like we're talking about these young guys but don't really have a lot of faith in them and you, you had a chance to get some actual like good veteran starting caliber players to kind of show them the ropes but now he's gonna have to figure it out all by himself mm-hmm. um, and that that is concerning for me and so I, th- I think I think he's going to stumble out of the gates because of it. Yeah, I don't think I would have minded the Fred Van Fleet signing if he went with the Spurs as opposed to the mm-hmm. to the Rockets, just because there's a glaring need for a guy who just has decent basketball IQ and could jumpstart this machine. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you're already or tra- right. Uh, trade for for Chris Paul. I mean, we talked about that at one point too. Like, man, Chris Paul and the Spurs might actually be kind of interesting. Yeah. And there's still there's still a shot here potentially. Like I'm look, looking at these names again. Like I think the Trailblazers would be interested in some of these names and and draft picks if they mm-hmm. wanted to go after Dame. It just I guess it depends how big of a bag the Trailblazers really want want because I don't know if the Spurs really should give up like any more than two picks uh, for Dame <laughs> in order to keep building this uh, like a pretty good roster around Wemby. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean I. I- I might I might give up more just because it is Damian Lillard. That's that accelerates your timeline like significantly. That's true. Yeah, I mean, this this is just it's showing to me that they don't care about him having a stellar rookie season. They they don't care about winning yet. 
Mm-hmm. They're just they're just gonna bring him along slowly, I guess. And you know, it's gonna be disappointing. I think fans have huge expectations for Wemby this year. They want to see what he can do, but yeah, with just the the roster construction and you know, just kind of the outlook of the team, it doesn't seem like we're gonna really get what we want to see from him. Yeah, I feel bad. Hopefully, like I don't know how many national TV games the Spurs are signed oh, up for. Get a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just also have the feeling that Wemby's not going to show up for a lot of these games. Like I think he's going to mm-hmm. play sixty-five games, sixty games this year. Like it just seems like these rookie big guys just can't play the a full season. And I don't, I don't blame yeah. them. I mean, the big man game is physical. It's fast. Uh, you got big bodies. You got to still work. You got your big body. You still got to mature into. So yeah, he's going to play 60 to 65 games trending. I still have them trending up. Although I think this might still be nowhere to go, right? Yeah. <laughs> they might still be the third or second worst team in the league. Last yeah. year, they were the worst team. So they'll improve from that, but yes, it does not look like it's up. Yeah. I don't think they're going to jumpstart themselves into a spot in the play in tournament next year. Does anybody, and I guess by anybody, I, I just mean Wemby, sniff an all-star appearance? No. 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 I, th- <laughs> I think if there was a shot, it was last year for one of these guys, whether that was yeah. Calvin Johnson or Vasile, and they couldn't get it done last year. There was, there was also this weird dynamic also. like It felt like Calvin Johnson was the clear number one, but at some nights it felt like Devin Vassell was that guy too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and neither was a very good number one. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I don't I don't I, if there was a shot, it was last year because both these guys are now 22, 23. So it's not like they're 19 and 20. They should have shown those flashes last year and they didn't. So yeah. um, that leads me to think that the up the remaining upward trajectory left in them is not that high. At least and not Wendy's, all-star high. Wendy's not making all-star either. Um, that's a good question. Trying to think, did Luca make All Star Team Rookie Year? He didn't. Did he not? Wow. Or maybe he can't remember. Uh, I'll look it up. But yeah, what do you do? You think Wemby can do it? But my gut I mean, feeling I, says everything no. Everything we pointed to says no. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm gonna say no just because I, I just don't think he's gonna be in that many games again. Like Luke, I, I, I'm Luca, sticking with that. Yeah, Luca did not make the All Star, uh, an All Star appearance in his rookie year. Every year since though. Mm-hmm. Yep, I don't think there's many dudes who can say they've made All Star team their rookie year. So, staying with yeah. that, no. Okay, yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. Yeah, storyline to follow. Obviously, Wemby, Sean, you noted that here. I think it's obvious to Saul. Yep, does he shine in the bright yeah. lights or stumble out of the gates? I think I he'll th- stumble, but it's gonna be so entertaining to watch him stumble and see how he can claw his way out of it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot like Zion's rookie year where he, again, stumbles, doesn't play many games, but he's going to have a few plays where it's just like, wow, that was impressive as (laughs) heck. Yeah, he is special. I don't remember who the Pelicans are playing, but I should remember this. But it was the fourth quarter. Zion essentially dunks on someone, grabs a rebound, (laughs) takes it on the fast break, one-handed passes it down to a teammate, and and then on the other, and then defensive plays, Defensive play, and then they come back on the offensive end, and and Zion just pops pops a three pointer from the top of the key and just <laughs> nails it. And it was just like an insane sequence of 
three minute yeah. basketball, all all led by him. And I think we're gonna see a lot of that or a few of those in the year. But I think the total package will kind of be like a little little st- with some stump. I think there'll be some stumbles in there. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we already saw it in in the summer league. You know, he yeah. had one good game and one bad game. So that that's gonna be his his uh his lot in in his rookie year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's also gonna have to go up against for everything we've said, Jaron Jackson Jr. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is mm. a tough guy. He's gonna have to see him four times. Well, how tough They're, is he? Yeah, <laughs> the Grizzlies. Uh, moving on here to the Grizzlies' second best defense with a middle of the pack offense. Ranked 15th in offensive rating, second in defensive rating, uh, and then eliminated in the first round, where basically that Grizzlies defense was just not there against the Lakers, who, man, it, it wasn't even like LeBron and AD, but really the combination of all their role players that just shut down the Grizzlies, like Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. This was this was their coming out party, this series right here. Uh, the Lakers had almost six players in double averaging double figures against the Grizzlies in that series. And the Grizzlies just struggled to, to really score against this Laker team. So what do they do? They add Marcus smart, Joseph, Christopher, Derek Rose, they lose Oof. Dylan Brooks, Tyus Jones, and with no draft picks, but they do make a key move in re-signing Desmond Bain. So projected starting lineup after the jaw suspension, you got jaw Desmond Bain, potentially David Rudy or Marcus smart, Jaron Jackson jr. And, uh, and Steven Adams as an X factor. I got to put the new guy on here, Marcus smart, especially because mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks may is probably, I don't know. I, it's hard to say if he's even one of the best players on this Grizzlies teams for the last few years. But what he has been is he's been a guy who's averaged 30 minutes and 14 field goal attempts, making him <laughs> the, the guy who's averaged the most field goal attempt, the third leader in field goal attempts for this roster. Boy. So with him gone, there's quite a distribution of minutes and field goal attempts that needs to go somewhere. Does that go to Marcus Smart? Probably not. But how much does Marcus Smart Marcus Smart take on, and can he actually mirror the? good things that Dylan Dylan Brooks did do. That's the defensive end on the perimeter while also improving the offensive production that falls onto him. Essentially can Marcus smart, put the ball in the core and down the rim a little bit better than Dylan (laughs) Brooks was doing. Yeah, that that's going to be a tough one. Mm -hmm. I think that the main benefit of Marcus smart is that he's not going to shoot the ball as much as Dylan Brooks did. That that in and of itself is just gonna help a bunch because those shots are gonna go to Bain, they're gonna go to Jaron Jackson, they're gonna go to Jaw. Anyone but Brooks is it's a better option. And Marcus Smart will be able to distribute better than Dylan Brooks as far as the offensive end goes. The defense, I mean, obviously Smart is a good defender, but he's a lot smaller than Dylan Brooks was. So yeah. it's it's that's why it's interesting because when you look at this lineup, it's like you you traded for Marcus Smart and you gave up draft picks to get him. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna give him a 25 minute a night role. He's going to be impactful and he's gonna have to be. I have to imagine in that fourth quarter closing the game lineup. Yeah, which means when when Jaw comes back, it's you got Jaw Bane and Marcus Smart all under six foot four yeah in your in your lineup and then that means jaron jackson 
Steven Adams. And, and, and sometimes they probably won't even have Steven Adams in that final lineup. You'll have Jaron Jackson and maybe, maybe you'll throw like Santi Aldama in there or something random or like Xavier Tillman oh, just to be a little, little more nimble, a little more small ball lineup. But that is a very dangerous lineup, both in a yeah. good and a bad way. And that's why I want to think David Rode. He might have a chance here to carve out a role for himself. He's got more size than Marcus Smart. He showed some pretty good production last year in limited playing time, and they drafted him. I think they trade. They actually traded for him on draft day to get him. And so I, I think that there is a shot here that that this guy in his second year can make a a, a decent leap um, with those minutes that brooks used to have now gone and there's not really like an obvious substitution for him as far as what he provided as far as size and defense and whatnot so it, it it's an interesting one it, it's gonna be i think they're gonna have to try out a lot of different things especially in the first 25 games when jaw isn't there they're gonna probably rotate through a lot of guys um, yeah but yeah, overall, it, it, I do think, and it's just, it's a weird move. I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the getting Marcus Smart. You know, I think it makes sense while Jaws out, but at long term, it's, it's a weird one. Yeah. And in, in terms of like, you brought David Rudy as a piece to swap through that small, that three ball position or two, two guard position. You, you have Rudy, you also have Luke Kennard. You also have Zari Williams, all question, yeah. more questionable guys mm -hmm. to put in that position so it does scare me a little bit because this kind of resembles a little bit of like what utah struggled with during their playoff runs where especially there towards the end where it seemed like they put all their marbles on their front court defense rudy gobert and whoever he was paired with and they just put a bunch of shooters low defense minded guys on the perimeter yeah. And it came and bit them hard in the butt when it came to, <laughs> to playoff time. And that the Memphis Grizzlies might have put themselves in that position where they might be the Utah Jazz. I mean, I'm not saying Jaron Jackson is Rudy Gobert. Maybe he's going to prove us wrong. But it just looks like they're, they're setting themselves up for that recipe come playoff time. Yeah. And normally, a team would make adjustments in the offseason to address the weaknesses that caused them to not win the championship the year before. Mm -hmm. It seems pretty obvious that size was more the issue than ball handling mm -hmm. and, and perimeter defense where like they, they couldn't stop Anthony Davis. If you can't stop Anthony Davis, you're not stopping Jokic. Yeah. If you're not stopping either of those guys, how are you getting out of the West? Yep. And you don't address that at all. I mean, the only, yeah, you, you only guys you bring in are guards. That's all they yeah. did was swap out a few guards. And so for me, this this team is trending down. I don't like their outlook going into the season. I think that their days as a contender, um, they don't look as good as they used to. Yeah, they look pretty beatable. I think that Lakers series really exposed that, that you don't even need a LeBron James to go off to take this team down. You just need a well-balanced team and some role players to step up. And I think that... Anthony Davis point you brought up is, is such a good one, Sean, that Anthony <laughs> Davis and Jokic, like, yeah, if you can't beat yeah. those two guys and you're signed up to, to, to be eliminated in the second round for the next, for the next few years. Cause that's right. <laughs> that's where the teams are going. And it also, the, the other interesting one is 
Derek Rose come in, Marcus Smart coming in. <laughs> it almost feels like maybe this franchise is starting to lose a little bit of confidence in their starting point guard. Mm-hmm. And they have question marks here that they felt they needed mm-hmm. to go get a few guys who also play that position. Uh, yeah, that's a I'm, good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just interesting here what, they, what they're going to do with Jaw. I, I just... This guy again feels like he should be the face of the NBA moving forward, but man, are 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 there better days for Jaw here in terms of basketball? And even if there are from a character perspective, can he stay on the floor? That's also the thing. Is like against the Lakers series, he also was injured again, right? Uh, and lost only one game in that series. But say the Memphis advances, Jaw loses loses a handful of games in there in that run. So there's also those question marks there with the Grizzlies and how they feel about their starting point guard. Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good point because I would be worried about Jaw too if I was in this front office. I mean, just 25 games is, is going to be interesting because I, I, I just, I, I'm afraid that there's going to be some stupid thing that comes out that like Jaw's doing on social media, like during a Grizzlies game probably, <laughs> probably a nationally televised one at that where you're just going to be like, Oh no, is this, is this guy just going to do more of the same? And it's, it's hard to know because it's not like we see what he does on a day-to-day basis. So we can only just hope that he's, you know, just staying out of trouble, honestly. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think, yeah, they'd probably, yeah, I guess if you do have that, just feeling that, there's a chance that jaw just never returns to the team in the way that he once was. You got to have that point guard of the future. And so Marcus smart comes in and fills that role, but mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't make you better. It doesn't no. make you better at all. Yep. Storyline to fall. How does the team fare without jaw for the first 25 games? What do you think, Sean? How does this team look coming out of the gate? I think they'll look Okay. I think that there's a chance that they can still be over 500. I mean, because when we're talking about like they're trending down, like it doesn't look good. Like they they can't contend. Like they're still going to be a decent team. Mm -hmm. It's just, they're not going to be the team. They're not going to be second in the West, you know? Yeah. And so like, they still have a lot of their good pieces. Like Jaron Jackson is solid. Bain is going to have a huge offensive role. Marcus Smart is a very good player. And they have the depth to kind of cover. And we see we saw that two years ago when Jock continually got hurt. They actually had a better record without him than with him. So yep. I, I think, yeah, you could see them after that 25 games. If they're if they're 14 on 11, I wouldn't be surprised. Um that's yeah. yeah. So I think they'll be fine. It's it's really, yeah, that's it's gonna be interesting what happens when he gets back. Yep. If he I, comes back. Yeah, I think they'll be decent. And again, I think the biggest questions for this team is. What do they what did they do to improve their odds once they're in the playoffs? Because I think they're gonna go for sure they're in. But what do they can can they address some of the things that the Lakers exposed and get themselves out of the first round and into the second round with a healthy jaw alongside them? Um yeah. but moving to the Mavs, I think this is an this is a fun one to kind of look at because <laughs> all these are just so wacky, man. Yeah, he's this this is a very this is a fun division because all these franchises try like these are the franchises mm-hmm. that really try to be good, but they're in an interesting <laughs> moment right now. The Mavs failed to making make the playoffs this year, 24th in defensive rating. 
And another interesting stat for them, they, they were top five in offense, but they were dead last in team rebounds. Like, <laughs> just goes to show you what kind of team this was. All, all the action coming out of the point guard position, nothing coming out of from the front court. And uh, and what do they do? They go get Seth Curry. Um, they're taking a ringer on Dante Exum, potentially <laughs> sticking around the NBA. That's a name, man. That's a name. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then some of these Rashawn Holmes, uh, <laughs> he really went into the abyss of like oh, no man. minutes after the Kings got Sabonis, but the Mavs are going to take a flyer on him. Jarek Jones, another guy who's bounced around incredible athleticism, but hasn't translated to the NBA game. And then Grant Williams, man, he got, he got the bag. So yeah shout out to him, him. <laughs> yeah they lost davis bertans finally got rid of that contract Reggie Bullock, <laughs> javel mcgee is gone for better or worse christian wood probably and, for uh, better <laughs> theo benson drafted Derek lively at 12 oliver maxine prosper at 24 so finally so getting some youth onto this roster and probably their two biggest ones kyrie irving and bringing back dwight powell because they just need because, size, ugh. and he was decent enough, I guess. Ugh. It's, it's just, it's repeating the past, man. Yep. Repeating the past because this is another just middling contract. You're paying him, like, what, I think $12 million a year mm-hmm. to do nothing spectacular. It's just, I know it's not a lot of money, but it's just like, why? <laughs> like, why? You can get a G League guy for, like, the, do the same stuff Dwight Powell does. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Dwight Powell versus Rashawn <laughs> Holmes for that for that position. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Project a starting lineup. Kyrie, Luca, Grant Williams, Maxi Kleber, Derek Lively, um, X Factor. Here you go, Sean. This is this is your X Factor here, man. This is yeah, we have we have a few different X Factors. because I mean there's there's some interesting pieces of this team. Yeah. But it's like you signed and traded for Grant Williams, a guy that did nothing he did nothing on the celtics but chirp and chirp and lose to the heat that's mm-hmm. all he did he, he talked a big game he had an, almost no impact on it and for some reason that rewards him with a four-year contract worth I, I mean, it's not a ton i think it's like austin reeves money like 55 million or something like that but uh, you're you're basically bringing him on to be your dorian finney smith that you lost in the Kyrie trade and for me, that those are some big shoes for Grant Williams to fill because Dorian Finney-Smith, he's a decent player. I mean, he doesn't put anything on the stat sheet. You, you know, you're not going to see it in the box score, but the defense and just the versatility and just the team player that he was, and that's that's the big shoes for Grant Williams to fill, who's never really had that big of a role. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, gosh, he he was sometimes not even getting a single minute in some of these playoff games that the Celtics had. So if I, mean, if that's not an indicator of like, he's not ready for it. He's not ready yeah. for that big role. I, that's why I'm surprised that they gave him that. Cause he's going to have to play 30 to 35 minutes a game in this role because this team doesn't have very reliable depth. I mean, these additions you just listed off, like that does not exude a lot of confidence for me. So yeah, yeah it's it's gonna be big because we've seen Kyrie and Luca can't do it by themselves. They need another guy to step up. Grant Williams is paid to do that. That's yeah. what they thought he could be. So let's see it. Yeah, Grant Williams, 25 minutes a game type of guy, and in that starting role, he'll definitely but he's definitely going to be expected to deliver a lot more and a lot more per value per minute there. Yeah. 
I, 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 where do I even start here? The two things that I called out when I saw in terms of weakness from what I remember last year, looking them up from last year's performance, defense, mm-hmm. rebounding, uh, were their two biggest glaring holes. And their biggest pieces to fill that is I'm I'm that's what I'm thinking is they thinking Grant Williams can help there. Rashawn Holmes yeah. is another name that could help them and Derek Jones and uh they, these names just don't seem like they're gonna be the ones to address these holes that they have. And I think they're they're risking themselves rolling into this year with the exact same weaknesses. And maybe the Kyrie and Luca pairing does look better. But that pairing looking better, I don't think that's going to help them make a jump from being a team that just missed the play-in to being a team that's contending for the championship. That's going to help them make the jump from going to the play-in, winning that game, and going to the first round, <laughs> and then just getting eliminated there. Right? Like, <laughs> like you're not, you're just not going to make it to the second round with such a below par defense and not and no no good size that you can trust out there. Um, so, yeah, there was a big reason why the Kings just gave Rashawn Holmes zero minutes, even even when Sabonis needed a breather. They still did not go to him. Uh, right. Yeah. They went to Trey Lyles before him. Yeah, exactly. On way, Alex Len. Alex Len. <laughs> yes. Alex Len found him just extended his NBA NBA career. <laughs> I thought that guy was out of the NBA and I'm unbelievable. Yeah. And in terms of X. So all that is to say X factor. I think I got to call out this guy. Honorable mention is Josh Green. He continues to have year over year improvements. He is a guard, so he's not going to address the front court defense or the rebounding issues. Uh, but what he he can address is like one thing we brought up about this team is somehow they have failed in roster construction around a young star in that their entire roster is old. Like there are no <laughs> young pieces except for Josh Green and these two young players that they just drafted. So if there's going to be, if there's someone that has room for improvement, it's this guy. So can there be a big jump from him? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I, I, it seems like no, but you know, there's, there's always hope just because this guy seems to bring a lot of energy. Every time I've seen him play, he, he looks like he hustles and he shoots the ball well. And again, every year he's been playing in the NBA, he's, he's made, he's made some decent jumps. So, I'll, I'll give him that honorable mention here. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, there was a point last year where I thought Josh Green had a good opportunity to break out, mm-hmm. and he didn't really break out. He was just he he did okay, and so it wasn't anything I was super impressed with. So I've kind of fallen off the Josh Green train, but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to see him make a little bit of a resurgence here. I, I think it will be difficult because I think. Um, this this draft pick uh, Maxon's Prosper that they got, he's going to be taking up some of those guard minutes for sure. I mean, they drafted him in the first round; they're not going to waste that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll see. And Seth Curry will definitely get some minutes. He had some experience on this team before, so might be hard for Josh Green to to break out this year. But you know, anything's possible. Yeah, anything's possible, especially with the Seth. I mean, yeah, Seth Curry is a decent piece. I think any team would love to have him. Uh, he's just getting a little older and. I'm not he sure he really kind of washed on the nets, yeah. but <laughs> I don't think he really Maybe brings a, the scenery. Yeah. I don't think he really brings a defensive hustle that this team might need at times. No. Um, in terms of trending, I think we both have them trending up. Like I mentioned earlier, I think yeah. another more time <laughs> with the Kyrie and Luca pairing will do wonders. But again, I just have huge doubts that that, that improving just the 
the dynamic between those two is going to change this team from just barely missing play into actually being a contender. I think they're trending up, but trending up towards mm-hmm. the seventh, seventh seed or right. sixth seed. Yeah, I agree. It's like the Spurs are trending up, but barely. And so are the Mavs. <laughs> yeah. Storyline to follow Kyrie Irving. And uh, I think Luca, I think Luca has a shot to be the best player in the league and, and, and challenge Jokic for that. Jokic is starting Bleacher to report get, thinks so. <laughs> yeah. Jokic is starting to enter late twenties, basically meaning he will hold his current, his current abilities. So <laughs> Lucas still has a, still has shots at making big jumps. I think he might, he might, this might be his best chance at winning the MVP this coming year. Uh, so that's, that's, in, that'd be an interesting one to see how much this guy can continue to dominate. And there also are whispers that there is a skinnier Luca version heading mm. into this NBA season. I mean, he was playing in the World Cup for Slovenia, so that's already a big plus. Mm-hmm. You know, he already does have, he's retained his basketball fitness. He hasn't gotten fat. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, I thought Luca could have had a chance to win MVP any of the last two years, but yeah, he always got off to a slow start. So, yeah, maybe this is his year. Yep. Yep. Dominating from the beginning. And it also, a lot of it encompasses also just how well this Mavs team can do. If if he can carry this team into an actual um, top four, top three seed, the MVP should go to him because he is carrying quite the, quite the weak roster, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> do you foresee Kyrie Irving playing a majority of the season? No. No. <laughs> no, I think he plays 60 games. Maybe oh, that's, a, that's that's pretty good, actually. I that's, guess that's better than I thought. I'm putting that as the ceiling. So I also wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he only plays 50 games, which I guess is decent enough. Like, yeah, I don't. So, su- yeah, you know, it's not bad. But yeah, I don't know if that's enough for them to do anything significant. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have another one of those like 30, 20 game seasons. Like, I think he's he just signed a new deal like. There's no way he falls that low where he will refuse to play uh, less less than 60 games, unless bearing like an obvious big injury. Like with this deal signed, there's no way Kyrie or, or maybe maybe he does sink himself that low and, and comes up with another scandal and reason to not play more games. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, man, we're coming up on 2024 election season. That's the, true. Anything can, yeah, man. Anything could set him off there. <laughs> I didn't even think about that yet, but it'll be prime um, campaign season, right? When the, oh, the NBA is nearing playoffs. <laughs> uh, Big trouble. Uh, yep. Moving on here to our last two teams, the Pelicans, forty-two and forty, finished to last year. They lose to OKC in that play-in game. The Pelicans were quite the fun team to to follow along. They add Cody Zeller. They lose Jackson Hayes, Josh Richardson, Willie Hernan Gomez, Garrett Temple, draft Jordan Hawkins at number 14. They bring back Herb Jones, man. This guy had a good season for himself last year. Projected starting lineup, CJ McCollin, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion slash question mark, <laughs> and Jonas is still here, man. Jonas is still hanging on to a still starting there. center NBA job. He's, and he's still doing damage. That's I'm a impressed. guy. That, I'm yeah. so impressed. <laughs> that's the guy that the Dallas Mavericks need. They need to figure out how to get Jonas <laughs> on their roster. Dude, he he led Lithuania to beat the U.S. Yeah, he's the man, dude. I've, <laughs> I've always doubted this guy that I'm just like, this guy's done. Like, he's not that good. 
And he just <laughs> continues to get better and hang on to his NBA job. And he was a significant part of my fantasy championship victory two years ago. Oh, yeah. Big piece. <laughs> yeah, he's entering his 30s, and he's probably going to still just grab boards like there's no tomorrow and just yeah, be a big boy in the middle. He can pop the three-point shot, too, man. Oh, yeah. He had a game last year. He went like, what, did he hit like 10 threes or something ridiculous? Yeah. It's just kind of crazy. I think it was against the Lakers. Yeah, it might have been. It's just crazy that the Toronto Raptors traded him away as if like he was a throwaway piece and Marcus Saul was the better piece. And like Jonas oh, yeah. just has just take it has still continued to improve and he just hang on. Yeah, he he's adapted his game like all the good centers in the league have. I mean, you look at like guys like Brooke Lopez, Al Horford, they kind of set that model of like if you want to be a big man in today's NBA, like this is what you gotta do. And and Valentunas has checked all those boxes. Yeah, for sure. In terms of X Factor, Sean, I see you don't have Valentunas in here though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but I mean, yeah, the unfortunate part, I think it was one of one of the only really NBA stories that came out recently was Trey Murphy getting a horrible injury. I think it was like a meniscus tear mm-hmm. or so- something like that in a practice or I don't even know. I, yeah, it's, it's been a while, but it, that's just awful. Like this guy's young. He is on on the up and up trajectory. Look good. Um, but they do get Jose Alvarado back and diehard nba fans will recall jose alvarado he's got a little bit of an edge to him and mm-hmm. he, he was really kind of like the spark plug for this team two years ago coming off the bench gave him energy helped them get back into games that they had no business winning and so they get him back they lose trey murphy unfortunately and so can jose alvarado kind of be that facilitator because i mean we're looking at the starting lineup they, there's no point guard there cj mccollum no. is not a point guard herb jones did not handle the ball Brandon Ingram can can do a little bit of playmaking, but Alvarado is really going to be this this team's point guard. And maybe he even inserts himself into the starting lineup, depending on how things are going. But yeah, they're, they're going to need someone to, to distribute the ball because you got these guys like if Zion plays Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, they need the ball given to them. They cannot create on their own just for the entire game. So. Yeah, I think that's my X factor. It's 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 a weird one, but yeah, I think that you know putting something like Zion or whatever just didn't make as much sense. Yeah, and this the Pelicans are just another team who defensively they're just they were awesome six defensive rating, but offensively they just had nobody. I mean, I just realized this. Brandon Ingram only played forty five games last year, and yeah, yeah, he was injured for like the first quarter of the season too. Yeah, and obviously Zion went through his stuff. So the fact that this team managed to hang on to finish over five, slightly over five hundred with that, it's I think it's actually pretty impressive. And there's there's yeah. some good pieces here. And the question on Brandon Ingram here also that I just just thinking is like, is he one of these guys whose stock has slightly fallen as a result of his Team USA play? Like he was a guy also on that roster. You almost forgot he yeah, was there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he didn't really do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so 45 games only last year, like, can he stay healthy here? So I hate to say this cause I feel like health is just such a dumb X factor yeah. to have because it could just <laughs> literally be applied to anything. But this team more so has just been, I feel looks like it's on the verge of just being a contender when Brandon Ingram and Zion, if those two guys can 
like it just looks like the biggest weakness for this team was clearly the offensive end, not having much flow, not having a good distributor, not having a go-to weapon uh, other than CJ McCollin. Like if you can just plug in Brandon Ingram and Zion, like that solves that issue for this team. And it gives them a well-balanced uh, team, a well-balanced roster that can defend and also score. Like that's a contender waiting to happen. So X factor is the, for me is the health of Ingram and Zion as cheap as it <laughs> yeah. sounds. It just has to be. No, it's, it's fair. I mean, for this team, they're, they're just very injury prone. Uh, a lot of their guys are on the older side now. So it's just something, yeah, we're going to have to monitor. And so I think that does kind of factor into like, where do we think that they're trending this year? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because yeah, like they lose Brendan Ingram or they lose Zion. Like they could easily just be right where they were last year. Yep. So for me, I, I think they're even, I mean, they didn't improve their roster at all. They're just going to no. hope that Zion can come back and be a superstar. And yeah. you know, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough sell at this point. Yeah, I mean, we did the we did the one. I think one of the bullet points for one of our episodes was that Zion at this point has played less games than Greg Oden, and you know, Greg <laughs> Oden, was Greg Oden. Yeah, and that's it, really bad. I, I think that really puts it into context. Although it seems like maybe he's heading in the right direction, uh, so the safe bet for me is I'm gonna put I'm gonna say slightly up, Sean, because I think there's I'm gonna be optimistic here and say something's gonna happen to make this team a little better. Uh, yeah they just seem cursed to me i'm I'm gonna keep them at even and yeah. i mean you, you look at like the, all this storyline to follow for zion this year obviously yeah. he's gonna be the storyline of, of the season like can he just avoid the drama i <laughs> mean i'm talking about jaws off season issues we're talking about kevin porter jr and his issues we had that whole thing with mariah mills and zion earlier and i think i think we've mostly forgotten about it I don't want to bring it up again to like, you know, get the story out there more, but it's, it, it was significant. And it's like, man, this, this guy is just not doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And so it just makes you wonder, like, was that enough of a wake up call for him to be like, I got to get my mind right and focus on the game. Or is it just going to send farther down the path and be like, you know, screw everyone. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. And so that's, that's going to be a crossroads for him. And we're, we're going to see it. Right away, I think we're gonna be able to tell, like, oh, he's he's locked in, or oh no, he's he's still got things going wrong. Yeah, exactly. The Pelicans need to go get a Kevin Garnett or like a Tim Duncan or, <laughs> or David West. They yeah. need to figure out how to throw the bag at one of these guys to just be their assistant coach this year to just mm-hmm. just push Zion because this team, this franchise has so much potential there. Um, Moving on from the Pelicans, last team on this list, the Houston Rockets. Uh, last and definitely <laughs> least, uh, 22 and 60 record last year. You know, tanked hard to try to get Wemby, but it just didn't work out for them. This was probably one of my least favorite teams to to watch on NBA League Pass. Mm-hmm. The few times that I did watch them just to check out what was going on, or one of the teams I actually wanted to watch was playing against them because they just played <laughs> bad bad basketball sangoon to me was the only guy that seemed like he knew what he was doing but jabari smith jr uh just played had a not a very good uh rookie year and jalen green and kevin porter jalen green just didn't seem to make any improvements in his second year and there's that infamous 
interview with Eric Gordon where they ask him <laughs> what improvements his team has <laughs> made from last year. And he just straight up says nothing. No improvements. Nothing. <laughs> and he was uh, right. <laughs> he was right. So maybe for that reason, the, the Rockets felt compelled to make the aggressive signings that they did. But they're getting Fred Ugh. Van Fleet, giving away the bag, Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, getting Aaron Holiday, uh, letting go of DJ Augustine, Joseph Christopher, Usam, Garuba, KJ Martin, Ty Ty Washington Jr. And they make some good draft picks. And I think early on from our perspective here, especially these guys showed up in uh, summer league and Amon Thompson and Cam Whitmore, who got the MVP in the summer league. And uh, and they bring back Bobin, you know, a lovable, lovable veteran. Best move they made the entire <laughs> offseason. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that gives them a starting lineup of Fred Van Fleet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith Jr., and Alfred and Sengun. Um, yeah, and then they got just all those young pieces on the bench who are all going to be hungry for minutes. And, I mean, you, you might have gotten rid of Porter Jr., who might have been the more aggressive variable and all that. And uh, so maybe that's good news for, for them. But uh, you just still have a lot of young pieces, and you have, you have such a gap between this roster, between guys who are still trying to prove themselves in this league, who want to prove themselves in this league, and then guys who are on the path of development, who need time, who need to be on the on on the court, but you paid you paid these other guys a ton of money to be on the court. So it's an interesting dynamic here. Right. I mean, it's just it it sucks because I think that the guy that I'm most the two guys that I'm think that they should be building around is Amen Thompson and Alperen Shangun. Mm-hmm. However, because they made the signings that they did, it's going to continue to be Jalen Green chucking up shots, and it's going to be Fred Van Fleet. Yeah. And, and it's like, that is not that is not a winning recipe. Like, I think me and you both agree that Shangun was the only really positive thing that came out of last season for the Rockets. And then Amen Thompson is just, he looks so solid. Yeah. Like, he just looks like a guy that's just going to give you all the intangibles you need. He seems way more mature than a lot of these guys that have been in the league for a few years. Like I I bet he's more mature than Jalen green from day one. Like he just shows like way more IQ for the game, way more like just down to earth. And I just, I don't see a path for him to get, I mean, Kevin Porter jr. Not being there is going to help. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually a huge blessing in disguise for this team because Amen Thompson was not going to be able to get mint. Neither was Cam Whitmore. Mm-hmm. But both these guys now could actually carve out a pretty good role for themselves um, coming off the bench because because of those minutes opening up. And so maybe there is a little bit of hope for this team. But ultimately, I mean, we've talked about this before in our free agent show and we just berated them for these free agent signings of Fan Fleet and yeah. Dylan Brooks. It's like, you're adding two of the least efficient shooters on huge volume last year to two guys in Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. that were already two of the most inefficient volume shooters in the league. And so you, your starting lineups for just horrible shooters and Alperen Sengun, who might lead the league in offensive rebounds this year because yeah. he's going to have a lot of opportunities. <laughs> yeah, and that, I think that's the real point here is that all these guys, while they're different sizes uh, and different second specialties. They also, all these guys love to chuck the ball. Like all these guys (laughs) averaged double digits in field goal attempts, well over 11. I mean, we talked Mm -hmm. about Dylan Brooks at 14. 
Fred Van Fleet is, was 15. Uh, Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, for better or worse, were also well over 10 field goal attempts per game. <laughs> for worse, yes. Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> and especially these two young guys and Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr., their value is in scoring the ball. So mm-hmm. you can't really ask these guys to kind of switch their things up, especially Jabari Smith Jr. Like he was not, he's not a rebounding power forward or a defensive power forward. He's a volume shooting uh, power forward who shoots the shot the ball well in college last year in the NBA. Not very good, but he had an excellent summer league where he did score from all sides of the court and he showed a lot of promise, but is he going to get that opportunity in the actual NBA season? It's tough because the the shot distribution is going to have to be split between all these other shoot first men- mentality guys. Yeah, this this team is just a mess. Yeah, like you just look at this starting line. I'm like, God, this is so messy. Like, there's just nothing that seems like it works well together. Yeah, like I just I uh, you know maybe it's so chaotic that I just can't comprehend it and it, and it just works really well. But to me, like this is still just a god awful team. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have any faith in it at all. Yeah. I think Dylan Brooks is for better or worse, maybe the best perimeter defender, easily the best defender on this team, but everybody else is going to get cooked. Like yeah, Fred Van Fleet, <laughs> Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr. are going to get cooked in their mm-hmm. matchup. And yeah, they're not, they're not very switchable. Um, yeah. I mean, Cam Whitmore, if he dedicates himself to the defensive end on the NBA, he might get some playing. He might end up getting a lot of playing time. I'm on Thompson. Yeah. It might take some time to adjust there. Um, yeah, it, it's this team's gonna look bad coming out the. It's coming it's out. It's gonna the be very bad. I think there's gonna be a lot of excitement because you know you made these big free agent signings and it's like wow, like these are veterans. Like we're trying to win now, and it's like you're you're gonna watch them play, and it's just gonna be so painful. I feel really bad for Rockets fans. Yeah, in terms of trending, I actually think this team. Um, Slightly up. I think they're going to win some games early on in the season. <laughs> I think when other teams are also figuring them, trying to figure themselves out, but I think they are going to bottom up, bottom out and over the last two thirds of the year. First third will look decent. I think they'll hover just below 500, but then they're just going to look, they're just going to lose games like crazy over the last two thirds. <laughs> so I'll give them slightly up. They'll go from 22 yeah. wins to potentially 27 wins. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're more optimistic than me, but I just think this is such a mess of a team that they're they're just gonna get 22 wins again. I, I just I don't see the path forward. They're gonna be okay tanking still because they still want to get good draft picks, and they'll probably shut down these guys, which they're allowed to do because they're none of them are all stars. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> Yeah, I I don't uh, I I don't have a good feeling. For these guys and it's a shame i just don't feel like any of them are going to be used properly like i don't think shangun is going to be able to be that you know piece that i feel like he could be like a sabonis mm-hmm. you know I like if so. they give him the opportunity he could develop into a sabonis but he's not going to get the chance i would be shocked if he even got to shoot an average of 10 shots a game <laughs> because of all these chuckers yeah i mean yeah and i mean thompson like he should be the primary playmaker on this team, at least get the opportunity. He's not. I would be I would be thrilled if he even got 25 minutes a game. It's just yeah, it's just going to be a lot of iso ball. Yeah. A lot of iso ball. That uh, maybe some some pick and roll where Fred VanVleet just goes off the pick and chucks a three. 
or yeah. Jalen Green chucks a three. Like it, it's just it's gonna be rough, real yeah. rough. Yeah, that'll be so sad. Jabari Smith Jr. just hanging out when the ball gets to him. He'll just shoot. First <laughs> thing he'll do is shoot it. Yeah, he'll, he'll shoot. Yep. Yeah, they all want theirs. They're, they're going to play hero ball, and it's it's going to be ugly. Yep. Storyline to follow who takes over as leader of this young team. A lot of guys with awful mentalities about the talent to back it up. I mean, Fred Van Fleet, I think, all in all, is seems like he's a good natural leader, but there's just it's tough to work with these pieces, so... We'll see what happens as well as also there's the X factor of like whatever, what new coaching staff is going to do with this team. Cause Steven Siles yeah. was also fired. So you have that going on yeah, too. You have, yeah. They have Udoka now, right? Yeah. I mean, Doku. So that's interesting. Yeah. How this is, I mean, that's <laughs> obviously he went to Boston, had a lot of success from a basketball perspective and then flamed out with that franchise for non-basketball reasons. What yeah. does that mean for a team as chaotic as this? <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard to say. It's hard yeah. to say. <laughs> oh man. There's just so many variables. It's just, yeah, there's just, there's no, there's no way of knowing who could, who could even come out of this thing with a success. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think what is, what is confident, what can be confidently said is that we both don't think it's going to result in massive success for this team, yeah. at least not next year. I do think that at least like the first game of the season for them I'm go that that's gonna be like a league pass priority for me. It's because it's like a train wreck. Like you, you can't look away. You, you have to, you have to see what's happening. And it's, yeah. it's the same. It's the same with this team. I like that analogy. And then, and then I'll get my fill, and I'll never turn them on again the rest of the season. <laughs> I might do the same. That's a that's a good analogy. I wonder who they're gonna get paired up to start the year. Maybe the Orlando Magic. Oh, in like the very first game. Yeah. I could look it up really quick, <laughs> but yeah, if it was, I feel like it would be better if it was against like a, you know, a halfway decent team. Oh dude, I think you're right. I, oh yeah. It's your land magic. magic. Wow. How did you call that? Did you know that? I did not know that. I was you're just telling co- me you had a one in 29 chance and you got that right. I guess so. I was just trying oh to think gosh. of like, who's another team who's <laughs> almost at the level that could produce a, gr- a decent game. Magic came to mind. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna tune into that. Uh, I love. I I think Ben Caro's headed for a big jump, so I'll watch that yeah. game. Um, final thoughts here to close it off. This something particular this season that I've noticed and that was actually a great thing is like the rise of the player driven NBA podcast. Yeah, <laughs> what started off as only a thing for Matt Barnes, uh, Stephen Jackson. Uh, uh, who who were some of the guys the the knuckleheads guys what are their names I forget their names I don't remember how am I blanking out on I their names Raja Bell yeah Raja Bell with the ringer and mm-hmm. the obviously the Draymond Green show so yeah. JJ Redick JJ Redick seemed like there was a few but this summer in particular there was more Trey Young's got his own podcast Lonzo Ball's got his own podcast Aust- Austin Rivers I didn't I didn't even know Austin uh, yeah why <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it just got me thinking of like, which one of these is actually like the best one? Because I actually started finding myself listening to more of these Mm. than the ones from actual like journalists. And uh, surprisingly, because I actually did not think I was going to enjoy this one. Podcast P with Paul George. When I saw he was announcing, I was like, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. But man, this, 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 his team delivered. They delivered with some good content. 
and uh yeah they get good interviews they get a ton of views yeah definitely the most successful one if yeah not the most entertaining yep and he had his last episode this this last week or was it the, no last week and he brought on the big guy steve Ballmer, and uh mm. it was a very good episode i gotta say so final thought if you need some more content to hold you over besides our podcast, take out podcast P with Paul George, <laughs> the Steve Ballmer episode. Sean, I think you should be excited. There's the Clippers season pass coming along the Clippers <laughs> wall, standing room seating in the new stadium. He talks about and uh interesting tidbit too is ball. Steve Ballmer talks about almost getting the Kings to move to Seattle, but uh, the commissioner, I think, Adam still, I don't really know who was there. I'm going to guess David wow. Stern was still there, but David Stern essentially blocked it. Did not allow Steve Ballmer to move the Kings to Seattle. So then <laughs> he um, retreated his bid to, to buy the Kings when they were up for sale. But a lot of interesting info there. So best NBA podcast of the summer and best episode podcast P with Paul George, the Steve Ballmer episode. That's a good one. And then I don't know if you caught any of his podcast with Stephen A. Smith, but that's also a very good one, too. I, I did not catch the Stephen A. Smith. I feel like I, I've heard enough about enough from this man that I'm not always excited. <laughs> you, to you see. Are not, so as far as uh, podcasts go, you're listening to a lot of them, but you weren't listening to Stephen A.'s new podcast, the Stephen A. Smith show. Oh, I don't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's for the real Stephen A. lovers there. But it, I, I think the one with him was actually a very good podcast. I'd, may, maybe you give it a try. Uh, you, you probably hate it after five minutes because of how you feel about Stephen A. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll give it a try. Here, I'll add this extra one. Worst NBA podcast, new NBA podcast of the summer. Man, I hate to do this to this guy, Trey Young. Man, this. Oh, I, don't know I if haven't it's even for you. seen an episode. What? What is? Yeah. What? What's about it? Is awful. It's so I saw the one where he did with Lonzo Ball, which is like one of his first ones. So that's cool. You uh, get Lonzo on there, and you, sure. they're buddies. So you know, Lonzo's really comfortable on there. But yeah, Trey Young's an awkward guy. He's an awkward <laughs> man, and his 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 guy who also helps drive the conversation. I I can't remember his name. He's also not that great, so it just feels oh, a little God. awkward, especially once you, especially the team that Paul George has around him. Those two guys are are really good. Uh, Pat, yeah. the guy that Pat Bev has and JJ Redick has as well. Those guys are good at just like keeping the conversation going and eliminating any awkwardness. And Trey Young's podcast is just full of awkwardness. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. It's not for everybody or maybe he'll get better. You know, we weren't, we weren't expert podcasters from day one ourselves. Yeah. Maybe he'll get better. So that's, that, <laughs> that, that that's my verdict to, to, for, to end this summer, but uh, maybe we'll see, we'll see. Maybe he'll get, maybe he'll come back and be, get the, get the best NBA podcast of the summer award next year. I, I'm also interested to see all these new NBA podcasts of these current NBA players, how they keep up with the content once the season starts. Yeah, I, I, my feeling is a lot of these are not going to like. I think Paul George yeah. calling it the end, like calling the Steve Ballmer episode the last of the season, means that he's not going to keep this going. Uh, so yeah, that is it. We'll see. Which, we'll see. yeah, I respect. I I want him to focus on the basketball part of basketball, not the media part. <laughs> yeah, there was this moment in this episode where Steve Ballmer was like talking about his role as president, where he's like, "Listen, my job obviously is to." you know, give the team everything they need. 
but he's like, but I don't do the basketball stuff. And he just like basically calls out Paul George right there. It's like, he's just like, it's your job to bring the championship. You've got to bring the championship for all the yeah. work I've been putting in. <laughs> and it's just, thank you. Yeah. And it's just sort of this interesting moment where it's like, you see the, the boss just like, you know, mm. giving it to the subordinate or the employee <laughs> in front of everybody. And you don't really get that. You don't see that dynamic like at all. Uh, with in terms of NBA owner to NBA player, he needs it, man. Paul George needs the motivation. I think he he thinks too highly of himself. Still, he's got to prove it. Still, the Clippers fans they haven't we they haven't done anything. They haven't done nothing. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you got to listen to the episode. But Steve Ballmer really goes all out in terms of like all the new stuff and money he's he's spending to quote unquote his quote to get the Clippers out of the Lakers shadow. I like it. Yeah, we, we need that energy, man. Someone's got to bring it if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard aren't. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yep, that's the end of the podcast. And uh, what NBA division should we go to, Sean? Want to go out east? Atlantic division? Yeah. Oh, you, oh we just did the Atlantic division. Oh, so we, we did. So we got to pick a different one. Um, you feeling... Who are you feeling about talking about? You, how are you feeling about the well, Milwaukee Bucks? How are you feeling... Guess. <laughs> let's go central let's go central there's i know i know you're a big Giannis fan i feel like you can only go so long without talking about that there's there's some interesting developments there so that, that could be a good one yeah the central division is a uh, is one that has also fallen off the last few years but we'll see there's some interesting teams here bucks pistons cavaliers so let's do it central division next week as we continue our nba division previews so thanks everybody for tuning in Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.